there's something else as well. They oh, um, looking on the notes, uh, three hundred years ago we'd learn about what happened to the homeworld of the Sulaban. Um, so I was just going to do sort of like a little, you know, what was happening three hundred years ago on Earth, and you know, do a little try and call back to the old season one of this podcast where I tried yes. to actually put some effort into the research of the episodes rather than just watching them. Um, but yeah, what was going on on Earth at the same time, that sort of thing. Um, okay. Other than that, business as usual, business as right. Uh, and we've got uh, a couple of traitors, and we've got obviously an archer abduction. So I'll be playing those in there as well. Um, so it's all good. Right. Okay. Oh, I'll tell you what, just before I forget, I've got an idea for the Nexus Knights. Oh, good, good, good. Um, it probably needs a bit of padding and a bit of something else around it. Right. But I think I've found a massive plot hole that could destroy the Star Trek universe. <gasps> Ooh. Any any hints on what that might be? You're going to keep it? You're going to... Okay. All right. Okay. Oh, that, that sounds interesting. A plot hole. So this is across all the seasons? Th- this basically would, would change the, the history totally. Wow. Okay. Oh, you're just going to leave me hanging then. All right. Fair enough. Well, uh, next time we're free and next time we're recording, we'll have to do that. Um, uh, quite apt, actually, because I just finished watching um, uh, Masters of the Universe, yep. the, the Kevin Smith reboot of it, uh, where they almost destroyed the universe. So oh, it all right. kind of makes sense. So, yeah, there you go. that seems to be in fashion at the moment, destroying universes. Yes, so maybe that's yeah. that's how we can pad it out. We've got uh, Spider-Man destroying the universe in the over in Marvel. We've got... Yes. Uh, he-man almost destroying the universe uh so maybe that's just the new fashion is that that where else can you go but destroy the entire of existence but there we go okay right all right then fair enough oh i'm looking forward to this right another episode where i have absolutely no idea what's about to happen i you know i left it to ben with the whole star trek adventures and and he just went with it so okay i'll hand it over to you uh right space time the ever-expanding frontier These are the records of the most needlessly complicated rewatch of the Star Trek franchise ever. Its mission, to locate every second, contemplate every eon, from outside time to the Big Bang, to the 20th century, all the way to the end of all existence. To do what no sane entity has ever done before. This is the Temporal Trek podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Temporal Trek podcast. We're in Chronodate season three episode 21 but instead of being season one episode 20 uh, as far as the Netflix order of Enterprise we are actually in season one episode 19 because we're doing a bit of timey wiminess and this only came about because I actually bothered to do some research. Uh, it's detained. Detained comes first. Uh, it is not Oasis. Um, so I'm going to have to hold on to my um uh noel gallagher clips and uh, everything else for the editing process much later than planned so now it is detained then it will be vox solar and then it will be oasis um but uh, uh future me will be re-editing a new intro and setup from the last episode so this will all make sense and me explaining it doesn't actually need to happen but there we go timey wiminess who who would have thought um again i am not going to be alone i'm going to pull it up on the device Incoming transmission. I reckon that should be the new catchphrase for the show. Yeah, there we go. Dan, are you there? I am indeed. Hello again. 
Hello, Dan. Um, you are becoming the best fixture about this show. You are, again, saving the listeners from that <laughs> deadly boredom of a solo show. And I thank you so much. And I'm sure they are all thanking you as well. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so it's almost like you're detained in the episode. Yes. Oh, oh, look yeah. at that. I see transitions. I'm getting better. I'm getting there. Um, yes. Well, uh, thoughts on the episode before we begin, just in general. Do you remember this one? Is this one stands out? Is this one that kind of a bit hazy in the memory? No, I do remember this one. I like this one. I've got to say, I'm looking forward to talking about this. And in fact, um, I'm uh, on my other side of my life, my sort of academic side as such. Um, I'm given a talk uh, next year on Ooh. Detained. Oh, so um, that mean doesn't mean I've done as much research as you might think yet. <laughs> it's, it's next year, and uh, you know what humans are like. Um, but yeah, so it is. I, I've always enjoyed it, and and uh, the opportunity come up to talk about it. So yeah, so I'm, I'm doing that. So this would be a nice little sort of warm up for that. Get my thoughts in order, and hopefully get my thoughts in order anyway. <laughs> The opportunity came up, or it was just me begging for you to be a guest on the show, so that you know. <laughs> so again, I was saving the, the the world, saving the world from a solo show from this, because of course the world are listening to it, not just the ten people who have subscribed to the channel. Absolutely, thousands. Um, thousands of people who are listening to this show. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, we start at the beginning, and it's zero minutes, zero seconds. No temporal shenanigans as far as the episode is concerned. But in case you're wondering why we've jumped out the Netflix order, it's because IMDb told me to. Uh, I did a little research, and um, as you go through the notes, and then gradually as I went through Memory Alpha and everyone like this, everyone was saying that this is the order it's supposed to be. Uh, it's not mentioned in the episode. There are no uh, star log entries. There's no captain's log. Um, in fact, there aren't for the next three episodes as far as looking ahead. So there is absolutely no reason you'd have to do this in a chronological order. But because of the nature of the podcast, we are doing Detained first. And I think it is a record for this podcast in that we have got an Archer abductions off the bat. My name is Jonathan Archer. it's archer straight away in a cell with travis uh we didn't even see how he got abducted this time it's just taken as a given that if archer's in the scene he's probably going to be in a jail cell uh, and he's about to get some beats um uh, any thoughts on an archer abduction as the setup well yes i think uh Maybe they had like a discount or something on the on the sets or something like that because they but yeah it's it's a theme isn't it? There's no doubt. I love it. There 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 was like a, a little call out, you know, uh, NCIS. Well, they've booked up all like the police precincts and stuff like that, so you can't do any kind of like Earth like planets. Uh, we've got this great jail cell. That's really good. Uh, we'll we'll throw it in with some rocks and it'd be fine. It'd be absolutely great. Um, yeah, well, it now pushes up his average for Archer abductions to 25% as far as the amount of episodes and the amount of time he's actually been in there. So, uh, yeah, 25% of the time the captain is in a jail cell or being abducted and beaten. Uh, he's doing really well. Uh, I really want to know, once I get through all the other seasons, how many times the other captains are abducted and taken in, because I, I would love to get the batting average on all of this. We see some Sulaban 
and we're kind of led to believe through through the kind of ominous music that maybe this is a prison run by the Sulaban and they've taken them hostage for some reason. Uh, first time I watched it, I can remember getting that feeling. Maybe we are, um, you know, going to get see Silic again. This is the return of the Temporal Cold War. Blah 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 blah. Um, and then Travis is sort of having a look around. We go to the credits. Travis comes back and is now sort of letting Archer know that, you know, there's uh, two or three Suleban over here. We're getting a sense that they've already got an idea of how to break out. Clearly, he's been abducted so many times that unbeknownst to us, even though we've never mentioned it in any of our consequences in previous episodes, they've clearly drawn up a policy. If I get abducted, this is the escape route and how we're going to do it. Uh, any thoughts on, on Travis being sneaky and finding his way around? Well, I really like this, actually. I like this opening because what it does, I think it straight away deals with a really big theme in the episode. And that is the sort of distrust or assumptions that people make about other people. Mm -hmm. You know, Travis looks out the, the door, sees the Sudaban and immediately assumes that he's been abducted by the Sudaban. So I think this is a really clever little start because it and it also you know it, it throws you slightly because you don't realize either as mm. you said so i think it work, that works really really well and it, it feeds into later on in the episode as well definitely yeah yep i i can remember feeling that way that it's oh okay these are the bad guys we're gonna have to fight our way out are we gonna see some sort of jailbreak scene later in the episode um this was something i i do remember feeling the first time i saw it and it kind of invoked it watching it again um but we soon find out that the Sulaban aren't running the prison. It's a prison for the Sulaban. Um, we have to do sort of uh, a whole scene where uh, Archer and Travis are coming out. They're standing outside the cell, but so are all the other Sulaban as well. Something isn't quite right. And now we're going to see these Tandaran guards coming through and, you know, throwing their weight around and, and clearly are the ones in charge. And we go straight to another scene with the guest star, the big guest star for this episode. And it is Dean Stockwell, who, uh, as we're recording this, uh, you'll be listening to this in December. We are only less than a month out from uh, the passing of Dean Stockwell. Um, before we get into his performance in the episode, any thoughts on Dean Stockwell? Was it an actor you sort of knew well from other projects or really only from the big ones that we know? Well, funny enough, I never watched Temp um not Temple, I was gonna say Temple Tricks. Um <laughs> Nobody uh, watches it, it's fine, it's all right. I'm not I taking the post. The name of it. Uh, it's terrible, isn't it? Um what's it called? Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap, thank you. Yeah, somehow I missed that. I don't know how. I in fact, um it's been shown on pick on mm. British T V and I I can't get into it. <laughs> I don't know, it's something about it. I don't know. It's it's very eighties. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's it's um I, I, yeah, it's it's a shame, isn't it, that, you know, because I think in this episode, this is the, the episode that I know him from, really. Mm. They did a fantastic job. I think it was excellent. And, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it's quite a nice little touch. And, uh, you know, I was aware of the link between the two of them. Um, but, I yeah, for some reason, Quantum Leap passed me by. I loved Quantum Leap. That was always going to be there. Uh, it, it goes back to the thing I've mentioned previously in other episodes. It was 6 o'clock Simpsons. It was then 20 past six, you had a Star Trek, Sliders or Quantum Leap. And it was the rotation as you went through. The Star Trek could be TNG, Voyager or DS9 and it was just on a loop. And that was your week. So I would get home, get off the bus from school, 
get home, do my homework up to six o'clock, watch The Simpsons, then have my dinner whilst I'm watching Star Trek. And then sometimes it would be Quantum Leap. So yes, Dean Stockwell was a big part of me growing up. Um, there are some great episodes. I, I can admit the first season uh, where they're trying to find their way through, it, it plays into your theory of first seasons of sci-fi don't always do the best. They're still working on the concept. But by the time you get into seasons two and three, it, they know what it is, the chemistry between the two of them, um, the fact that Al, the character that Dean Stockwell plays, is this old, uh, um, slightly set in his ways character, you know, and he as the ones who he's the one who sort of has the old, outdated views. Um, you know, he's he's slightly homophobic, he's slightly racist. He he comes from that background. Whereas Sam, who Archer plays, is you know the the genius level intellect of the time traveler but is forward thinking in his approach and his morality and things like that and he challenges also al as well as uh, whatever time period he jumps into um well worth a look and yeah i admit yeah first season can be tough to get into um but he's also for me in june um dr uh -huh. yui um, yeah. So that was another thing. I grew up with Dune. I grew up on David Lynch's Dune. Uh, maybe I was watching it a little bit too young to really appreciate the story of Dune, but I do remember, you know, uh, the, the tooth. When you see the Baron, remember the tooth. The tooth. The tooth. With a bit where he, he inserts the tooth into, into Leto's mouth so that he can try and poison the Baron. And, uh, it, you know, it probably makes no sense to anyone who hasn't seen Dune. But, <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, Dean Stockwell has played a big part and married to the mob and all of the, you know, usual non-sci-fi roles he played as well. Absolutely stand out. And I think this Colonel Grat character is a really ad good addition to his back catalogue. Um, there is a great way. Uh, I've sort of ordered his interrogation scenes and you see the, the deterioration of his mental state as you go through the episode from agreeable to com almost outright violent. Uh, and will be violent later on. Uh, and it's just great how every scene is just that progression. You can see something's been playing on his mind and he just gets more and more unhinged. Uh, just fantastic. Um, so we've gushed over him, uh, but Colonel Gratt uh, already leaps into interrogation. He's very, he's very agreeable. He's very amenable. Um, you don't even realize he's interrogating until he gets to some questions later in the scene. Uh, but generally this scene, this back and forth between Archer Grat and Travis as well. Yeah, I really like this scene actually. And, and funny enough, again, coming from my uh, academic side of things, what I really noticed in this scene is how much art there is in the room. Mm. There's there's sculptures, there's paintings. It's really interesting. I, I, I wonder about why why they chose to do that because you know there's no need for it necessarily. But yeah, just a little aside that I sort of my my uh, academic head on, I notice and. Uh, yeah, it's very interesting. It's like that sort of apologetic thing. You know, oh, you know, I'm sorry I was busy. I had to take a call. I would have seen you earlier. Mm. Would he have done? You know, it's all sort of a bit, a bit of games going on, I think, straight away. Absolutely. You've um, you've got him sort of outlining the strict rules of the, of the camp and saying, look, he's only got three days till the hearing. You can stay here. I'm your friend. I'm really sorry we can't offer you better accommodations. Um, there's already a smarminess to it, but it's yeah. all believable as well. The way he plays it um, is just fantastic. And I don't want to do a comparison, but I'm going to, um, between him 
and some of the other performances of other villains that we've noticed right back yes. to when you joined me on civilization where we thought he's a generic plug-in bad guy really nothing much to him but colonel Grat, there is a a level of malevolence that he doesn't want to give away and is yeah. acceptable and you, you're nice and you know other than a small ridge on his nose he looks yes. like us he isn't yes. an other uh, which again plays into this episode as something we've mentioned in other episodes as well absolutely and i think uh what was i going to say there was something in my mind there and it's, it's popped out of course which is typical um yeah it's interesting i think um what you see straight away or not so much straight away but maybe as you move forward in the interrogations that thing of of guards or people in control who are used to being in control and, and treating people however they like mm-hmm. and i think he holds off on that on the first in- interrogation but quite quickly he starts to sort of threaten to sort of you know I think there's like the next transport 60 days and I wouldn't want you to miss the transport and that sort of thing. It's just these little, he plays that so well, that sort of, you know, the, the control that a guard has over somebody mm. in a prison situation, I think he's played really well. Yeah. And normally with an episode like this, you'd see him sort of maybe calling back to headquarters, answering to another superior and that superior is leaning on him. And that would be the sort of uh, reason why he becomes more unhinged is he's placed under pressure. So now he's placing that pressure back on Archer and you see the play down. But you don't get that in this episode. You just get it from his performance. His performance is so slight and changed each time you meet him. You can just assume he's had those conversations and you don't need to see it. Um, it's just a it's a, just a great performance um, and uh, I loved Dean Stockwell all, all the way although yeah. I am missing him uh, smoking cigars because that was his big signature thing from Quantum Leap uh, and yeah. I kind of feel like he should have had like a, an alien cigar in his <laughs> mouth like I'm going to just talk to you and he just blows the smoke into Archer's face <laughs> um, we go then to uh, back into the cell uh, there's a mention of the meal and how it should yes. be maybe a, a valve sealant uh, that Travis might tell Trip about. Uh, a little callback to Shuttle Pod One, where we use some mashed potato as a sealant yes. as well. So <laughs> clearly, food has a, a play a role to play in engineering. Um, uh, Archer then goes to get some more water, and we get our first real look at the theme of the episode because he assumes that. The, the child has been brought into slavery with the with the other Sulaban that he's been drafted into the cabal. Uh, and he he launches in and, and attacks him and says, you know, how could you do this to a kid? Even though they're just hanging out washing. Um, you know, he's not training him. He's not like showing him some Krav Maga or some uh, martial arts or anything like that. He is literally hanging up some washing. Uh, just get out of his face already. Um, yeah. But there is that assumption. All Sulaban are dangerous. Uh, it's a great line, and it just says everything you need to know for this episode. Uh, but the guards come in. They force him into isolation because he's past curfew. And you can see the look in Archer's face. He's already sized up the situation. Oh, no, this isn't a prison. This isn't something. This is an internment camp. Um, uh, yeah, any any thoughts on on this little interplay, the, the power dynamics going on? Yeah, I like it a lot because, again, what it does, in some ways, it's maybe too simple because he goes from hating the Sudaban to, like, you know, completely yeah. and utterly supporting them in, in, like, two seconds. So, <laughs> but it does set up, as you say, it sets up this sort of, this change of mind that comes over both Travis and Archer. Mm. And, 
it's quite nice in that way that it was straight away you know he can he's got Archer's a funny one because he's got this sort of strong moral compass I think mm. but this sort of I don't know what the quite the right word is he's he's he's, he's just a, an odd character that he, he flips so quickly between different ways of being mm. you know being angry Archer and and sort of you know caring Archer and and I, I know we all do that but he does it sort of dramatically um, and this is an example of that where you know he's sort of like oh get out of my way Sudaban and you know mm. and then next minute he's like ah oh, I'm gonna <laughs> save them all and you know and, and you know and every Sudaban is my friend and you know all that sort of stuff but you yeah. think maybe he's got like a white savior complex that he just feels like he he should save them but because he's in he's entitled to do so um yeah i mean that's interesting i think um i spoke on my own podcast um to a woman called uh, lee mckagan mm. yeah about imperialism and stuff in yes. this is in voyager but there's certainly that you know it feels like yeah absolutely you know he's again i think we've spoken about this before this sort of idea that you know human ideas are right ideas mm-hmm. and we're perfectly at liberty to impose those ideas upon the rest of the universe <laughs> and and this is an example of that really i mean i think from coming from a good place but certainly a, an example of that mm. yes yeah uh it's it's difficult because we as you said in other episodes as you've mentioned before that uh, archer is the hardest captain to really pinpoint who he is picard is the diplomat kirk is the yeah. fighter uh jane janeway is the explorer cisco yeah. is the slightly more uh amenable family man he's the family captain um yeah archer is is difficult he's a bit of everything but he doesn't seem to have a set way of dealing with things which obviously plays into the fact he's the first captain blah 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 blah. um but yeah his faith of the heart just just sort of takes him in different directions there we go um speaking of the enterprise we go back to a scene on the enterprise and topol is trying to deal with the situation and she's dealing with colonel Gratt, who again is being very amenable and it's all about it's three days you know i'm really sorry this is a lot of red tape you know i can't just let him go this is part of our regulations you have to um uh, live in uh, this society to understand it don't uh, don't question our society um uh, playing he's almost playing the victim which is a really great way of, of showing how deplorable he is. Um, but it is my first trip hatred. It's time you learn to weigh the possible repercussions of your actions. You've always been impulsive. One pan fried catfish. I'd show you to the nearest airlock. Maybe this will teach you a lesson. My traitred, because he trip interrupts straight away to is in the middle of a delicate negotiation dealing with a culture and um yeah he, he says anything but swearing uh to interrupt and that's my first traitred then i've got a second traitred which is at the wow. end of the scene as well so two he's two in one scene <laughs> where uh respect our laws you know we have to deal with other cultures Topol says once they've finished with colonel grat uh and um uh, that she she suggests maybe we send in a, a Vulcan negotiator, a lawyer, and then Trip just like passes her off. He just shuts her down and says, "Vulcan lawyer, you might as well give him the electric chair." Like, come on, you've been living with her for at least eight months now, as far as the timeline of this show. I mean, just 
cut her some slack. She has done a lot for this crew. You've you've interrupted her and been very disrespectful, and now you're like damning her culture as being useless and uh, completely out of there, uh, out of order. So yeah, two traitors in a single scene. Um, it's it's the part of trip I just don't like. I'm sorry. Uh, any thoughts on on this interplay? Yeah, again, the only thing really that come to mind is the um, the sort of the bit where um, Chapol says about you know if you want to explore other cultures, you have to learn to accept their laws and stuff. And again, this is like a little nod to the beginnings of the um, Prime Directive, I think. Mm-hmm. But that, again, that's just being plopped in there every so often, just sort of without being sort of made explicit. But it's just another little one of those. Mm. And it's, I think it's interesting in that we're obviously dealing with this internment camp, which is on another planet. So the Tandorans or Tandarans um, are, a, a, if not an empire, they're at least stretched out. They're they're not a single planet to deal with. And typically in Star Trek, if it's a single planet, they are, have no compulsions about stepping in and getting in the way of how a society is run. But the Tandarans have got strength. The Tandarans have got uh, perhaps resources that they don't have. Uh, as we will later find in the episode, their ships aren't exactly the best. The, the patrol ships that they go up against, uh, you know, Enterprise is able to hold its own. Yeah. It's not a, a strong enemy, but there isn't, uh, I don't know, a willingness to sort of step back and defer to their culture when it seems a bit stronger than you. But they have no problem stepping in when that culture seems a yeah. bit weaker. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Um... I think that's true, and I suppose that to a degree that's sort of understandable. You know, if you're if you're outgunned, then you know what can you do, sort of thing. But mm. um, there's also like this theme of sort of annoyance with other cultures. Mm. You know, they don't, why are you not, not agreeable? Yeah, mm. yeah, they're not very good at sort of. I mean, uh, yeah, you know, the captain and, and um, trip, uh, not trip, sorry. Uh, oh God, my brain! I tell you honestly, my brain is hopeless at the moment. Um, you just got over a cold. Mayweather, yeah, have yes. been been abducted. So you know, mm. they're, they're obviously a bit annoyed. <laughs> yeah, you know, absolutely. That's fair enough. Um, but they they very you know they do they do this a lot at the moment. They just sort of step in, and, and there's very little. I don't know if diplomacy is quite the right word, but certainly gentleness or, or delicateness of touch. You know, they don't. Mm. Yeah, and this is again saying that I think you know it does make sense because they're first out there, you know they don't really know how to deal with stuff, so that sits in quite nicely. But yeah, it's interesting that there's definitely this sort of bravado and, and gung honess mm. in this certainly this series or this season rather. Yes, and I suppose it probably does play into the episodic nature of the TV. You know, you're going to have to be a little bit more um, gung-ho to push the plot, plot through yeah. and, and things. Otherwise, you would be here for months negotiating 60 days till a hearing, you know, this sort of thing. And it would be entrenched, you know, if, as we're about to find out, this is an internment camp and there are lots of countries in the world, us included, who have had pogroms, internment camps, you name it, whatever uh, you know, name you're going to give them. And other countries don't get involved or they don't, you know, move straight in with a military solution as the enterprise will do later in this episode yeah. uh, and that is yeah the 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 standard response is to negotiate your way out of it um and you're there for years if not centuries dealing with the problems um 
speaking of de- dealing with problems, we move on to or back to the prison and Archer is trying to, well, he doesn't apologize really. He sits down with the guy he just got into isolation and he says, don't bother apologizing. It was a complete misunderstanding. But Archer still doesn't bother to try and apologize. That kind of, that irked me. I don't know why. That just, uh, it was a little bit of bad manners. It's like, well, for what it's worth, I still apologize. I would have just loved that yeah. little bit of a line. Just, you know, there was those British manners I was brought up on. Just they were cringing, like just so sorry, just so sorry. Um, but we get a little bit more about the culture going around. Um, they're sitting down with a meal, uh, they speak to the, the child. I really liked the interaction between Travis and the kid because Travis is the child, he's the boomer of yeah. a type of society that have lived a certain way, and then the child of this Sulaban uh, internment camp, they have something in common. There is like an, uh, a, th- a thing going on between them that is really nice and pure. And I really hoped we'd seen more of that in the episode. Yeah. But it does lead to one great bit where we find out about a, a nursery rhyme that has come out yes. about the Sulaban. Um, and I'm going to read it here because I've written it down because I absolutely love it. Uh, Be careful of their wicked smiles, their shining yellow eyes. At night, they'll squeeze right through your door and everybody dies. Um, it's horrible, it's terrible, but, you know, harking back to previous seasons of the Temporal Trek where we've tried to make a historical comparison, um, this is an internment camp. From those Japanese internment camps, there actually were nursery rhymes like this. Um, uh, There is one called uh, Chinese-Japanese, but I'm not going to go into what that actually is because that is just offensive. Uh, It's also a visual performance element to it as well, which is just horrible uh, to do with the eyes. Um, But it's so believable it's a great bit of world building you plunk in something like a nursery rhyme which is so believable and real and the teasing that would come with that of being one person the way they look and there is this cultural aspect that comes in with it and the bullying um just uh, any thoughts on that whole scene where we're learning a lot more about where the culture came from for the Superman? it's it's something that that works really well because star trek i mean the 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 Sudaban are an ongoing threat hmm. or an ongoing character in, in in the series, and that tends to lead to a bit more development. But even even so, quite often, you know, there, there isn't really development, or isn't development's maybe not the right word. It's there isn't like a exploration of a culture. You know, aliens and and enemies in Star Trek are very one dimensional. Like you know, I mean. The monocultures that we, you know, famously, you know, every Vulcan wears the same haircut, and mm-hmm. every, you know, every Klingon is a warrior, and all that sort of stuff. And that's, but this is just a nice touch to sort of expand the Sulaban a little bit, change the the way of thinking about them, and it, you know, it's very real because, of course, every society is made up of different elements, you know, and there will be the radicals, for one of a better word, and there will be you know the sort of everyday people are just living their lives you know i mean this is maybe a, a good moment to talk about guantanamo bay mm. because quite a few people i think have sort of seen this as a as a a story about guantanamo bay and i think that's wrong to be honest with you mm. i mean it's clearly about the japanese you know it couldn't be any more clear it's stated in the episode effectively. <laughs> what we've got there is you know that same sort of thing where you know people see Muslims as terrorists, but of course, you know, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, every sort of terrorist in, in 9-11 
was an individual who made a decision. Yep. And, you know, most people, I'm very lucky, my family uh, are, are quite large and quite sort of spread out around the world. So as a child, I went to quite a few places, you know, and what I've sort of picked up from that, I think, is that basically everyone's the same. Mm. You know, wherever they are, most people just want to live their life, look after their family, you know, have a safe life and, you know, and, and fun and, you know, all the stuff. But wherever you go, that that is different all over the world because everyone's culture is different. Mm-hmm. But the principles are exactly the same. And so I think this what this scene does is, is really let you see that that's the truth for the Sudaban as well. There are some people involved in this stuff, but most people are just living their lives. Yeah. And that does that so effectively. Yeah. I, I love the line in there that, you know, all that seems to matter is the way we look. Yeah. Um, and yet he's talking about, you know, we're not soldiers. We're not living this life. We're not, uh, we don't have the genetic alterations. They've been able to prove it. They've been able to scan us and still comes down to just the way they look. Even you judged me. And I really like yeah. how he turned it on Archer. Uh, yeah. I was, I was a Sulaban. I was just hanging up my laundry, but you thought I was a Sulaban and I was part of the cabal. Um, yeah. It's yeah. It, it, it highlights it so well and more so than the previous scene where he did get him placed in isolation it makes it so much more believable now that archer is willing to to sort of see his cause um he's moved from just wanting simple information about the camp and the the um the sulaban and why they're there to okay you know what was the culture behind it why has this decision been made we need to now sort of sort it out we need to change this um we do learn a little bit more detail as well that there was uh, eight years of a war with between them and the Tandarans. Uh, the Sulaban moved into the Tandaran territory, so they were in, sort of ingratiating themselves. So you could see that um, perhaps there would have been a far right sa- section of the Tandarans who rose to power because there was immigration. So there is a, a, an extra element if we want to bring sort of a more modern uh, outlook on it, you know, the modern day problems we're seeing with immigration. But yes, of course, the episode is all about Japanese internment uh, and, and so on. Um, but there are aspects to that. Um, they moved from being citizens to prisoners. And that's where the big comparison between Japanese internment and uh, and this episode comes from. Uh, he does say 300 years ago, the homeworld of the Sulaban became uninhabitable. Now that places it roughly in the 19th century. Um, and pulling back to uh, the old season one approach where I used to sort of jump out the episode. I'm not going to completely jump out, but 300 years is about the 1800s. Now, he didn't say exactly 300, so it's not going to be 1821. But around this area, we are looking at Napoleonic Wars. We are still looking at Britain expanding into an empire, which would have included India, which would have included Pakistan, would have also included Afghanistan as well. So I thought it was interesting that maybe they were making this comparison that, you know, you've got the Taliban who were in the news at the time the enterprise was being made. You have the Sulaban, whose homeworld is uninhabitable or being attacked in some way. Around about the same time, the British Empire would have been moving into that territory. And the Russians as well. The Russians had interest in Afghanistan as well, 300 years ago. So I was wondering if they were trying to make a mishmash of history there uh, between Japanese internment and the the current um, crisis with the Taliban that was happening when uh, Enterprise was being made. Uh, That their home wasn't there anymore or it wasn't livable anymore. 
Um, we find out also about this, this Suleban's wife and that she's been forbidden to transfer to this internment camp, which is number 26, which means that there are at least 25 other internment camps, which just gives you a sense of scale and size and how horrid the conditions must be that there are so many internment complexes out there. Um, any more to say on this particular scene? Um, no, not really. I think we sort of covered it, really. Uh, yeah, I think um, I'm not sure about the, the link with the Taliban because um, I'd have to go back and check. But I think we, we did mention the other day that uh, civilization was being recorded as 9-11 happened. Mm. So I'm not sure whether it would have been the, those episodes would have been written sure. already. And yeah, but I think, look, yeah, retrospectively. Certainly, I think that argument has been made, but again, I'm not sure about that personally. Yeah, yeah, it's it's difficult to find out anything about how they they were making this, um, how much they changed the Sulaban to fit the times, or whether they were going for a straight this Japanese internment camp. There is literally nothing else to read into it. Um, every time I tried to research this episode, I was wondering: was this a rewrite situation? Did they go back and try and you know, uh, jump some stuff in? But given that he said 300 years, it was possible that they could have done that. Yeah. Maybe that line was a, a reshoot and placed in later. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, there's so much information given in that scene uh, and so much believable reasons why the plot now has to move forward into a rescue or, yeah. or at least a, a breakout um, yeah. from there. Uh, we get our next uh, interrogation scene with Grat, and he's more intense. It's more direct. He now knows about uh, Broken Bow and he's bringing back the episode. It was a great little callback that he's yep. using the situation that we all saw, but he's playing it differently in his own mind. You rescued this Klingon. You were attacked by the Sulaban. You see, you're just like me. They, uh, they are horrible, aren't they? They mistreated you. They attacked your ship. Um, he's trying to be uh, nice and trying to build a bridge with Archer, but he's just so intense and so direct that you know he's just going for information and we get the protection versus security line that the the temporal cold war they are uh you know enhancing their soldiers this is um about protecting the ones who aren't the soldiers we're the good guys look we're looking after them we're keeping them in these internment camps so they aren't turned into evil soldiers like uh, the cabal um it's interesting that the temporal cold war is playing out across loads of different species as well that it's not just earth it's not just the klingons now we've got some other random alien races that seem to be affected by this i think this is an interesting scene again because we have this as you say this idea that somehow removing the liberties of people innocent people is somehow protecting them mm. now you know i'm sure that there would have you know i think he mentions there was attacks and stuff you know, and, um, you know, violence against Sudaban. But again, it's a it's a very, very dodgy route to go down, isn't it? To, to imprison someone from their own protection. You know, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that we do that with the Mental Health Act. Mm. You know, that's the only time, and that's a very different situation, you know. Mm. But to just, you know, it's... It's unjustifiable. I can't see how you could justify it. I mean, you know, we've never lived through a war. We've never had to sort of, you know, deal with that situation and stuff. But, you know, it 
it's a, it's a weak argument, I think. It's, it's a problem you have with, with war and, and sort of nationalism and jingoism and stuff, where, you know, on the one hand, I mean, I remember I was quite young, but I just about remember the Falklands War. And I remember the way that, um, you know, sort of, you know, people wouldn't buy Argentine and Argentinian corned beef and, mm. yes. you know, and like yeah. um, Aussie Ardiles couldn't play for Tottenham and stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it's more of a sort of how the state deals with the, the enemy and how it allows this prejudice to, to flow, which it needs to support a war. You mm-hmm. need people to oppose the opposition. But yep. it leads to problems where, you know, innocent people that happen to be from Argentina, in, in this case, are, are being affected. Yeah. So it's like a cop-out, really. It's like a, we can't, we can't, either can't stop these attitudes or we can't be bothered to stop these attitudes. Or in fact, we're actually promoting these attitudes and, and encouraging these attitudes. You only got to look at, you know, was it Gotcha and, and mm, the Sun? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's like, you know, that's just pure propaganda and, and sort of, you know. And so that's the problem that, that needs dealing with. It's not the problem of the people that, you know, in, happen to come from the, of the the enemy home world in this case. It's the attitude that, you know, it's the same thing with, with what we're talking about with the Taliban, you know, all Muslims are terrorists. Mm. it's the same mentality it's the same mindset you know anyone with any sense knows that you know these people who are muslims happen to be muslims chose to do what they did Mm. but that's you know that's up to them that's not you know it's like i don't know i'm trying to think you know i'm not religious at all so i don't have a but you know if, if i was in a group i don't know like white men yeah you know yeah, when you look so, at all the white terrorists, uh, exactly, the, the far yeah. right terrorists, yeah. uh, admittedly, the far right movements are aggressive and they have an yeah. aggressive posture uh, yeah. politically as well. But it's a few within their ranks that go on to then lead these attacks. This isn't a coordinated army. This Absolutely. is lone wolves within larger yeah. organizations. Um, the there's always a, a willingness to spark up something like a internment camp or um, uh, this kind of organized response when it is someone other, someone who looks different. Yes. But when it's a small thing like um, you know, a right wing terrorist, a one man who looks like us. Oh, it was just a, a one off person. He's yeah. just, you know, he's a lone wolf. He, he's he's not like us. He was mentally disturbed. Yeah. That was just completely different. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe that feeds into that thing we were talking about with uh, civilization again. We keep going back to civilization, but uh, mm. you know the, the the idea in Star Trek, or certainly maybe in culture as, as such. But the more different you are, mm. the more I don't know, violence, right word, or, or dangerous, or you know, as mm. you say, you know, like from the Western perspective, from the white European perspective, most Muslims. You know they're a different color yeah now that shouldn't be an issue obviously i'm not you know but that's they're they're even just being that much different is yeah. enough to cause that sort of group think and that sort of idea that you know they're all they're all that it's also it's weird <laughs> because i mean i don't want to reduce it to just costs but if your response is to go into at least 26 internment camps you've got to run you've got to 
yeah. you know, economically spend money running these things a military industrial complex has to be built around it to support these things um you know for the sake of spending a lot less money on a counter narrative on yeah. uh you know saying that you know the Sulaban are welcome uh, you know we want these people here yes there have been attacks by members of your same species but you know it, it, it baffles me why that is seems to be a response but it's always the same response it's it, yeah. regardless of what culture you're in on yeah. earth um yeah. in in our reality it's always a military response it's always punching your way out of something as opposed to a scalpel as opposed to something yeah. that is a bit a bit easier about um looking at the differences and, and being a bit smarter about things which kind of plays into what we were talking about in shadows of a gem that yeah. there were the different approaches the humans bouldered straight in there without even thinking the, the surgical strike of the vulcans the Andorians had a slightly more black ops approach, being a bit clever, have an inside man, all this sort of thing. And that will sort of play into this episode later. The the breakout attempt is yeah. actually quite a smart plan when you really yeah. break it down. Um, having a smart response is is just interesting to have. Ah, love that. Love that discussion. That's very good. Um, uh, but we'll move on because otherwise we'll get stuck on that scene for the whole thing. Uh, uh, we go back to Paul. We're learning that uh, the hearing's now been postponed. They clearly haven't got all the information they wanted out of Archer, but Grat is being very diplomatic. He's being like a politician. Again, calling back to Shadows of Pajem, we had that um, uh, interfering, horrible platitude of the politician. It was like, oh, they're almost certainly not killed. Well, in this one, Grat is, we'll offer you a tour of the city. You can come and have our yeah. wonderful hospitality. Um just politicians eh? uh can't yeah. stand them can't yeah. live with them don't want to um but uh yeah it's just wonderful little uh, double speak and and veiled intentions and things like this uh anything to say on that um just that i think it's quite it, it reminded me of sort of north korea mm. or, uh, you know Ooh, where yes. you know you'd be allowed to visit and you'd, you'd get a tour but of course the tour was with you know, security agents. <laughs> and it's not actually a tour; it's just to keep an eye on you, sort of thing. And it's almost the same, same thing here, really. You're walking through like a Hollywood town with all the facades and everyone's smiling, yeah. but there's the gun. There's a gun behind yeah. their back with like a curtain. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, we go back to Archer. Uh, he's still talking about past adventures, uh, what they actually got up to. Um, uh, most Tendarans are good, Asulaban says. And uh, he has that smarter approach. He's like, this yeah. isn't, don't judge this culture as well based on how they're reacting. This is yeah. the politician speaking. This is the higher ups with their punching. This is not the, you know, the smart solution that most people seem to have, which is a hopeful message that yes. society hasn't been dragged into the jingoism that you were mentioning earlier, that the Tandarians seem to be smart enough to know the difference, but it's still gone ahead. They've still gone for yeah. this um uh, this ha sledgehammer to a problem rather than a breaking glass with a scalpel. Um, yeah. I think, again, what you've got there is, you know, the, the reality of life is that, you know, most people get along with the people they live around, you know, mm. and they, they get to know those people as individuals. And it's a bit what we've been saying with T'Pol, you know, this weird mm. yeah. sort of hatred of Vulcans imposed upon T'Pol, you know, it's very strange. And it's the same with you know, when you're, I think when you're a government or you're a, a bureaucrat, for want of a better word, maybe, you know, it's very easy, or in fact, it's very hard not to uh, pigeonhole people, you know, people become 
their gender, they become their their race, they become their economic status, you know. Yeah. And 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 people unfortunately people have a, a strange tendency to be able to do that, to be able to live, you know, like it's it's like I'm, I don't know if I'm getting but you know, it's like the, the concentration camps, the Nazi concentration camps, you know. Mm. These people would spend the day killing people because they're Jewish. Yeah. Or disabled or whatever, you know, all the other things. And then they go home and, you know, sit with their children and, and enjoy an evening. You know, how and people unfortunately are very good at doing that. You know, they can sit in an office and and look at a form and say, No, sorry, you know, you can't have that, you know, the health insurance isn't enough. Yeah. And then go home and live like a normal person, you know. Yeah. And and that's what happens unfortunately. Whereas actually what happens in day to day life is people get along. Yeah. You know. Yeah. If you get to know them, if you spend um just a day with someone that it can completely change that uh, that those administrators for those concentration camps would have seen a number and maybe a name yeah. on a on a piece of paper and that's all they would have known them as yeah. uh, even looking at them they wouldn't have seen them but because they didn't speak to them there would be a difference um and and just want to say that you know with my traitrid i know he's floridian uh, but i am not going to judge all floridians as being <laughs> um you know don't don't take my hunch, my hatred for trip as uh, judgment on floridians <laughs> i'm speaking to uh, jarman the host on uh, at muppet trek uh, he lives in florida he uh, he's not a floridian but he lives in florida so i'm not judging him obviously he's he's very good most floridians are good i'm just not liking <laughs> trip okay that that i just want to make that clear um we've now moved into uh travis travis finally gets a good scene he has a great scene he hasn't had one for so long and i really miss this but he's talking to the guy who's making the Sulaban journal who's going to talk about it who's going to read yeah. this someday and actually the guy says well nobody's going to read it i'm just keeping yeah. it for myself um uh, the 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 cabal and the Sulaban are not the same again we're retreading that ground um but it's just a nice believable scene that this character of travis would have this viewpoint that your history is important and it needs to be recorded almost stemming as though it was coming from his personal experience as a boomer as we saw in um previous episodes that's sort of playing out or that's being written out of history the boomers are being forgotten yeah. by the new yeah. technology coming in that he wants to secure their place in history that, that people learn about the boomers um it, yeah. it was believable that that character was saying it and not Archer. It wasn't Archer yeah. sitting down and saying, yeah. well, you know, you need to record your history and all this sort of thing that Travis was saying it was so much more important. I think mm. um, uh, the, we get a beam in of a uh, communicator. So now we're sort of starting the escape attempt where the enterprise has diverted from the, the prime homeworld. Um, we now get the mention of Manzanar and the internment camp. And it does make me think, did they miss a beat by not having a different guest star this episode? As much as I love Dean Stockwell, they could have had some Star Trek royalty and had George Takei himself in the internment camp. Oh, that probably would have been very hard for him to play. Yes. Um, although he does have Allegiance, which is the musical, the play that's based on yes. his time and his story based on the book um, of uh, the internment camps, the Japanese internment camps. Did they miss a beat in this episode? by not placing him either in the internment camp or maybe having it as a different play, he was Colonel Gratt. Interesting. Now, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm loath to say fan service because I don't think that fits into this situation, but in a mm. way, 
you know, and would it be crass maybe almost? Exactly. That's what, you know, that's the difficulty right? I'm having is that yeah. it, it would have served its purpose. He would have had a personal take on it and his performance probably would have been, you know, Emmy worthy alone. You know, forget the whole season of Enterprise. Yeah. You know, his scenes would have had so much weight behind them because of yeah. his personal experience. But yes, is it playing on that, that weird sort of uncanny valley of, oh, is it a bit too on the nose? Yeah. Is that just, yeah. But yeah, I was just wondering, is that, does that, would it have made a better episode if someone who's lived through it was in the episode? I don't know. I think I know what you mean, mm. and but I think I, I don't know. I, I'm really torn on this one. In a way, I think if it had been someone who had never been involved with Trek, mm-hmm. but was known as mm. an actor and, and and had been you know through Takai's experiences, then maybe that would have worked. Mm. Takai maybe is just a too close to the knuckle too. Yeah, would we have seen? No. Would we have seen it, Sulu? Exactly. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's the other problem, isn't it? Like, you know, mm. how do you separate the two? But it's an interesting idea. It's it's, it's tantalising, but I mean, it would have been very very hard, I think, for him to to go through that. Mm. And maybe you never know. They may have asked. May oh, that's true. That's it. Maybe I should look that up. Maybe see if there there was ever a talk of of bringing him in. Um. Uh, any more thoughts on on the Travis scene as well? I didn't want to sort of brush past that, but yeah, I liked it as well. I mean, I think again, it feels a little bit imperialistic. Mm-hmm. You know, oh yes, well done, write it down. Then you know, then in future we won't make the same mistake or saying I don't know what quite what I'm I'm aiming for, but yeah, you know, it's always a bit you know, it's a bit like. I don't know. Uh, would it really be red? I mean, you know, let's think. Let's think about. It. I mean, I, you know, the Second World War is is basically brought up one diary. Yeah. You know, from all those experiences, and it must be, you know, millions of people that that experienced that, and, and a proportion of those people would have written down their thoughts and stuff, and they would have either been lost through accident or, you know, so it's a I could see where they're going with it, but it's a bit, yeah, condescending maybe or something. Yeah, it's sort of it's worked in the past of our culture to write things down and pass the story on, but it doesn't necessarily mean anything to a Sulaban. Uh, Sulaban probably won't need to keep a journal because they can pass that story on in a different way. Um, they can learn in a different way. They they don't need to have it written down to to learn from mistakes. That they just know that it is uh, an immoral thing going on. Yeah. Um, and perhaps, you know, the story of Archer and Travis coming to the internment camp and things changed and they broke out is enough. They don't need to know the day to day of uh, the cruelty that they may have seen, the the yeah. the, the, the um, abuse of power uh, around. Yeah. Them. Yeah. I mean, certainly. I mean, I know it's, it's very soon afterwards, but straight away, there's the uh, Desert Crossing episode where mm-hmm. um, the guy says oh you know you broke out 500 Sudaban or whatever it was he, he says so you know already there's that myth there's that mm-hmm. story going around you know and then I suppose in the future you know would you you know you you could just I don't know I mean once you broke out you could record a a message couldn't you and just beam it out on subspace yeah 
a podcast maybe a podcast, a podcast. about exactly yeah. yeah yeah the the Sulaban podcast uh, yeah. about all of their times and experiences but yes. and again i mean we we talk about say Anne frank but yeah. people don't talk about the book necessarily they talk about her experiences they distill it down to a soundbite yes. maybe yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know we don't necessarily uh, get the day to day we don't remember oh so and so chapter when she was looking through the, the floorboards um, and she you know she had the crush on the boy and uh, you know we don't talk about the specifics we talk about Anne Frank was uh, you know being uh, hunted down she wrote a diary yeah. people don't always go into the full detail of it so maybe something would be lost by just writing yeah, it down absolutely would, I, mean, I think it's, it's the same thing you know with, with Anne Frank you've got this situation where you know I've never read the diary mm. I probably should do you know I think probably everyone should do really you know but I know about it. I know yeah. about the story without knowing the details. And it's a funny thing, isn't it, in society that that's what happens actually is that, you know, Mona Lisa. Mm-hmm. I've never seen the Mona Lisa, but I know about it. And do you know what I mean? And it's, it's accepted for the classic that it is. Exactly. You don't, without any uh, sort of discussion of why. Yeah. I mean, it's, this is going to really jump off into a, a bit of a tangent, but mm, go for talking it. going forward of of our where we are, Darmok. Yeah, you know that's basically how just you know it's memes and stuff where you know we we Anne Frank is almost I know this sounds terrible and I, you know, but she's almost a meme. Mm. You know, we know stuff about that and we've been told you know, but we don't really know unless you know we made the effort to read the book, but. Yeah. Even without, you don't need to read the book almost to understand a bit about that because it's in the culture. It's a cultural thing. It's like Star Trek. Captain yeah. Kirk, like we were talking about the other day with uh, going to space and, you know, people on the news, it was Captain Kirk from Star Trek went to space and yeah. everyone knows who Captain Kirk is. Yeah. You know, and that's how actual memory, I suppose, or cultural memory works rather than being, you know, total details and total sort of knowledge of that so yeah so but Dalmok you know I'm, I was to say I'm off on a tangent there but <laughs> their whole language is based on on memes effectively on, on exactly. cultural knowledge you know? yeah the, the, they would just refer to this as um, Archer at internment camps at 26 they, yeah. they there would be no other reference to it he broke yeah. out a few people or he, he made a slight difference in yes. their society um, you know it doesn't tell us about the fallout it doesn't tell us about what led to these internment camps but people would just assume that they sort of know something about the situation because there is that reference. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm loving this discussion. This is great. Um, Right. uh, We have to move on though, because otherwise we'll be here for three hours. Uh, uh, We're going to interrogation number three and Grat is even more unhinged and talks about Silic. We specifically mentioned Silic and uh, I do like Archer's retort that, you know, he's thin, kind of has bad teeth. Um, Yes. Just plays it yes. off. He, he's he's so immune now to what Grat is yeah. trying to do that he's just playing for it. And we get violent beatings. So this yes. is Archer's now getting punches to the kidneys, punches to the face, you name it. Um, he even gets an electric pod this time. Is it this one? I know. Gets... Yeah, he does yeah. get a little bit of a, a, a go at him, doesn't he? Yeah, that's true. Oh. And Travis as well is along for the ride. Yeah, he's been beaten he's up separately. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, just it's it's expanding out. So the Archer abductions are now the the Archer and Travis abductions in this episode. Um, but it did make me feel a bit icky. Is it playing into a trope about always beating the black character? Well, I mean, 
maybe, but certainly based on, on our experience so far, no, it's, it's being the captain, isn't it? Yeah, but, pretty much. Yeah. The pinata of Archer. But yeah, yeah um, it all comes apart uh, once Travis yeah. is brought into the room all bloodied up. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just the, yeah, the abuse against uh, Travis is, is used to yes. sort of bring down Archer's um, yes. veneer yes. of control and, and yeah. his, his, his um, plan so far. But speaking of plans, we then go over to the Enterprise and there's Trip and to Pole, and they're talking about talking about uh, uh, targeting phase cannons. That's the first facility I'm going to hit. And it's like, where, where's Reed? Reed's not there. Hmm, strange. They're talking about blowing stuff up and Reed's not there. <laughs> and then suddenly there's a cut to Flox and he's waving some magic um, uh, laser pointer over something. It's like, oh, just a minute. Oh, what could Flox be doing? I wonder. Reed wasn't there in the briefing about blowing stuff up, and Flox is doing something. Um, I I remember the first time I watched it, not realizing what they were doing, but now I'm just kicking myself of how stupid I am to not put two and two together and realize what was going on. Um, but it's another instance of Flox having so many different uh, arrows in his uh, quiver. That not only is he a dentist, not only is he a surgeon, not only is he a vet, but he's also the makeup artist again this season. Yeah. Um, second time this season. Um, uh, Travis gets to call out some uh, preconceptions, but we move straight into the breakout scene. Um, I, I've just got to drop one thing in. Yeah. Just a little aside, a little silly thing, really. But I'm very disappointed in that, that scene that we didn't get another mention of the quartermaster. Yes, good call. Yes, yes, absolutely. This was an ideal opportunity. You know, who who made the suit of band suit? Mm, absolutely. He doesn't get the credit he deserves, does he? <laughs> Sitting there with his sewing machine and he's like, yeah. Jesus Christ, Flox gets all the credit. Just whip us up a quick suit of band suit, will you? <laughs> I just, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, Oh, no, no, they didn't capture a Suleban at any point, did they? So they couldn't even sort of say, oh, we, we took a little bit of fabric and we were able to replicate from the fabric and, and from there. And so forth. so they've never they've never had a Suleban in captivity at the time. To, no, and, to and, do it. and I mean, I'm trying to have a visual memory, but the guys were they were wearing sort of um, civ- civilian outfits anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So and they didn't there wasn't a scene where Hoshi zooms down and no, nope. you know, all that sort of, so, uh, yeah, I'm very disappointed. Very good. Oh, you've just broken this episode. That's it. There's there is no truth in this art. Uh, sorry, uh, we're going to give up now. We're not going to talk about the episode because, well, they did. They just didn't even prove it. They didn't even prove how they knew what Sulaban civilian clothing would be. Um, there we go. <laughs> yeah. That's, oh my God. Yeah. How did they not notice? Um, yeah. The the breakout scene. Uh, we see yes. someone being beamed out, but we don't see who. And again, I'm kicking myself how stupid I was for not seeing that the first time. Um, and, uh, well, a Suleban turns up into the cell. We know who it is. But he, he turns up at the cell completely Sulabaned up, and he's got an American accent. Reed was playing into it. And he he kind of likes the fact that Travis didn't quite recognize him at first and uh, didn't get it. Um, but we've got him with the backpack. We've got him with the phasers, just like in the Andorian incident. You know, that backpack is getting a lot of use. I really yeah. do like that. Why no no one noticed a Suleban with a backpack on um, in, in the internment camp? There we go. Um, but that also plays into the whole costume thing. So, yeah, makes yeah. perfect sense. Um, planting charges. Reed gets to blow some stuff up again. 
yeah this is like what is it fifth time this season he's got to blow stuff up wharf must be so envious reading the reports <laughs> his time at starfleet academy he got a completely different idea about being in security it's like you get to blow things up that's fantastic um but uh archer recognizes him straight away but i do like the fact that he realized who reed was malcolm and uh there's a fighty fighty shoot 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 bang bang uh, there's really no other way you can just <laughs> describe that but i like the idea that they had aerial support from the shuttle pod he blows out all of the the relays and all the defenses so they can then get up the pseudoban can now rush to their shuttles and fly off without being fired upon uh, just in general, the whole plan and attack before we get to sort of the little fisticuffs moment between Grat and Archer. Um, this morning, actually, I was thinking about this and what what this episode really reminds me of. And it's, uh, I'm going to go back to Detained again. Mm. It and, and Shadows of Gem, in fact. Mm. Not a lot happens. Mm. You know, and then at the end, there's this big crash bang wallop. Yep. And it's all resolved. Yep. And I, 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 what I did this morning, when I, I re-watched a bit of it quickly just because I was thinking about this. And it's written by Braga and uh, Brennan. Brennan? 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 Bremen. Um, mm. And I'm wondering whether this is a, like either a chosen sort of way of making an episode or whether it's just a writing style or whether it's just a coincidence. Mm. But we very much get this sort of situation where it's very sort of, not slow, that's the wrong word, but it's it's quite you know, slight and quite small and quite internalised. And then there's this boom mm-hmm. and it's all sort of done. And so, yeah, this is the third time that I can think of that structure being used. Yep. Um, yeah. I did. So I had that written down in my notes. I was kind of hoping ah, you were okay. going to say that. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Dan's going to like this because it just comes down to a fight at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? But it seems yeah. to be a, a thing. Yeah, there um, there was an interview with Gene Roddenberry, I remember, from the 25th anniversary uh, special that they put out. And it was him describing the difference between the cage and where no man has gone before as a pilot and saying that when they put the cage out, they complained about it being too cerebral. They were thinking too much, even though that episode does have a lot of violence in it. When you really break it down, it doesn't end on the violent note. It It ends on a... Uh, smart way of out thinking out the problem and the producers yeah. didn't like it so when he then recommissioned it with kirk and he went for a slightly more hornblower style um narrative he had a hero who could punch his way out of a problem and i'm wondering whether because brandon brago had that crossover with the roddenberry era at the beginning of tng they just sort of carried it on and didn't even question it and it was their unwillingness to break from it or do you think that maybe they were having uh, you know, issues with the fan base were expecting that's how Star Trek resolves things? We have to carry it on. Uh, but they always wanted to try something different. Yeah, I mean, again, without going back and watching maybe early TNG and stuff, mm. I can't remember if, if that's something that we see, that sort of structure or not. But I think maybe we're seeing an attempt to be, be more cerebral. Mm actually having this sort of a slightly different, a slightly slower pace, or I don't know if slower pace is quite the right word, but, um, a, you know, like a rather than sort of going headlong into the episode, which is what we seem to do quite often in TNG, where the sort of there's, there's drama at the beginning. Mm, mm. What we're seeing is almost the opposite way around, really, is we're seeing a, a much slower movement through the episode with a, 
with a conclusion. Yeah. So yeah, it's hard. We we get to this when we get to TNG in about twenty-five yeah. years' time. You know. <laughs> yeah. I've I've refined the calculation, and now I'm up to seventeen point eight years before we finish this podcast. So, uh, you know, the calculations are you know proving to be um, quite quite depressing, shall we say? <laughs> but yeah, knowing that uh, Rick Berman was problematic um, <laughs> when we really look at him, and yeah. not and a bit stubborn in terms of uh, his way of approaching episodes. I, I I am wondering whether he just thought, look, this is the way Gene did it. We're just going to carry on. I really can't be bothered to change the format. You know, Star Trek is about um, emotional beat, morality play, shooty, shooty, bang, bangs. That's all we're going to do. So I'm yeah. wondering whether that was that that was his approach to this episode as well. See, I, I, I slightly disagree with you there because I yeah. think... Um... I don't think that's how TOS was actually. I think TOS was actually more like drama, morality tale, drama, end. Mm, interesting. There's much more of a sort of dramatic beginning. Mm. You know, like I'm trying to think, uh, what was the episode where they went to a planet where it was like a mental uh, mental health unit? Oh. And the guy gets beamed up in the box and escapes. He's all wide-eyed and stuff. Yeah, there's the it's the facility where they're they're sort of curing uh, yes. mental illness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh God, I'm going to kick myself for not knowing that episode. But yes, yeah. So we got that sort of thing where it starts off with a, and I think that's more that's what TOS did more than than the Enterprise. Again, mm. we maybe see as we go through the series further, but mm. it feels much more like it's starting quite quietly and building up to an end. Rather mm. than having a dramatic, you know, I'm trying to think of some other episodes that are a bit similar to that. Mm. You know, that a lot, you know, um, yeah, but that's my feeling anyway. So I think actually it's a slightly different. And again, maybe this mm. is reacting to early 2000 tele- television, you know, that more sort of the beginning of, of prestige TV, mm. the beginning of sort of HBO and stuff, and that long, not longer form exactly, but, you know, a slightly slower pace, but yeah. more intense, maybe. But we'll see as we go through. Maybe yeah. we'll, we'll see this. And- oh no, I really like that take. That's really cool. Um, yeah, I, I, this can be interesting to sort of go through the episode and then see if that is a case. Um, uh, Dagger of the mind just jumped in there. Oh, no. I love how your brain does that. I'm literally talking to you, and then it just went Dagger of the mind. <laughs> say the episode. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, we kind of get an illusion just at the very end as they're flying away um, uh, during the fight between Archer and Grat. You haven't yeah. freed them. You've yes. condemned them. 89 new soldiers for the Cabal. And there is a genuine belief there. That yes. doesn't seem to be propaganda. That doesn't seem no. to be jingoism. Yeah. He seems to genuinely think that that will happen. Yeah. Um, and that as much as we might think that Grat was just a soldier following orders... Maybe he believed it himself. Maybe he believed yep. his own press and, and yep. thought that he genuinely was protecting people. Yep. And um, we ask, you know, will they make it? And they just leave it on a cliffhanger. Uh, they yep. don't answer that. You know, we don't see what happens to those, you know, 89 people in all of the shuttles. We don't see what happens to the child uh, that we got to know and the, the gentleman with the, the journal. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, any other thoughts on the episode before we move into the last bit of the criteria? Um. Just that I really enjoyed this one, I've got yeah. to say. Um, in fact, that, that uh, 89, you're, uh, you're given the Kabul 89 new soldiers is the 
title of my talk. Ah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so your focus is more on: Do we believe him or? No, the, the focus of the, epi- the, the the talk is actually about um, terrorism and sort of that sort of thing, and the, the reaction to terrorism and the reaction to war in Star Trek. Interesting. So I'm going to talk about the internment camp, but mm. then we're, I'll also talk a bit about, uh, particularly in Enterprise, in fact, but I'll also talk a little bit about the logic extremists in nice. season four. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of how how it's dealt with, how terrorism is dealt with in, in Star Trek and wow. sort of how, you know, uh, how that's seen and maybe how that is seen through the years. You know, you've got the, 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 um, uh, the Bajorans mm. seem very differently to the Sulaban and, and the, you know, because I mean, I think without giving up, well, not giving away because I've not really done the research yet, but I'm, you know, these are sort of faults, but, you know, the period when, when DS9 was on, there wasn't Islamic terrorism as such. Mm-hmm. So what you did have actually was like maybe a, a, a sort of a degree of support for Palestinian rights and stuff like that. So, yep. and, and also, you know, South Africa, that coming out of apartheid and stuff. So there was almost like a sort of a, a freedom fighter mm-hmm. idea. Whereas once 9-11 happened, it was a direct attack upon America. It was a direct attack upon the West, and that sort of opinion or, or, or way of seeing terrorism flipped into it's bad. Simple as that. Mm. And there's no justification for that. And whereas what we saw in the, in the 90s was maybe that sort of, you know, more of a, a nuanced mm. of the use of sort of non-state violence. Yeah. Oh. I like that. And I suppose, yeah, you've also got the fact that uh, there were unofficial American support for the IRA. Uh, yeah. And that was, it was, uh, you know, the the community, the Irish communities of America were so vocally supportive of the IRA. And there are allusions to possibly CIA involvement in yeah. supply and support there as well. Um, that, that, yeah, that, that Kira and the, you know, the resistance are always seen as the victims and are yeah. seen in a positive light. Uh, and yeah. there isn't the, any mention of um, you were a soldier, you were just as bad as the Cardassians and um, you know, your violence, it was not always going to be the best solution. Um, they Absolutely, do question, yeah. they do question that in DS9. There are yeah. episodes where that does come up and she says, you know, um, that she's gone through uh, a change in her personality by working with yeah. Starfleet and, and so forth. Uh, yeah, oh, that sounds really good. Is that going to be recorded in any way? Because I would love to listen to um, that. Do you know what? I don't know. I think it will be, yeah. It's mm. it's, a, it's a conference in Austria. Mm. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm going to be going to Austria. Oh. I'll probably be doing it over Zoom, unfortunately. But, uh, um, yeah, and, yeah. so, uh, yeah, hopefully it will be. And it, it's part of a four-person panel. Nice. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I'm really – in fact, it comes from Academic Trek, so – I was invited to do it from oh, someone I was in contact with. So, fantastic. Really tough. yeah, it's it's very, very pleasing and, and slightly terrifying as well. <laughs> well, if there is any way of getting hold of that, I would I would be first on there to try and figure out um, you know uh, how to find it and, and listen to that because that sounds fantastic. I found sounds fascinating. Um, yeah, uh, put it on Academic Track if you can get a recording. Yes, that's that would what be I great. Do, I would yeah, definitely yeah. listen to that. Um, excellent. Well. Uh, 
speaking of breaking down the the episode of detained let's get into the rest of the criteria uh the next criteria after l where we locate the episode and talk about it is c for consequences no temporal shenanigans the temporal war is mentioned but we're not actually going into shenanigans so it's consequences is there anything that happens in this episode that would affect how starfleet and the future of the federation plays out uh, i think there's one thing that in fact actually i'm thinking about that might be two things one thing is to Paul's mention of having to understand other cultures laws and stuff and that again is a direct reference to the the prime directive so you know i I can't imagine that the you know sort of professors at starfleet academy are quoting her Mm -hmm. when they're talking about the prime directive but it's there and the other thing i suppose possibly to a slight degree is that thing that comes up in in um desert crossing where Mm. you know the, the news has spread Mm. So not a long-term effect, but maybe in the short term, you know, it's, they're starting to get a bit of a reputation. Obviously, the the Vulcans are pissed off of them already because they <laughs> destabilised the, the quadrant or whatever it is, that, you know, or the sector or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, obviously, the Andorians sort of know him because they, they helped him with Pajem and stuff. So they're beginning to sort of spread out a little bit, but yeah. not long-term. Not long-term. Spreading the chaos, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I, I I thought maybe that there was the expectation that every captain of every starship um, would have this, not necessarily the expectation, but there would be a protocol or policy that if you are taken in and abducted, that you you, <laughs> you attempt to try and break that society as best you can, and uh, all captains should try and destabilize the society yes. if there's one thing you don't like about it. Maybe absolutely, that's where yeah. maybe that's where this comes from. This episode, well, yeah, absolutely. And of course, Kirk takes this on. You know, mm. um, I'm just thinking of the episode again. Yeah, terrible episodes, but the one where they go down to the planet. And uh, they're fighting a war by computer. Oh, Taste of Armageddon. One of my yeah. favourites. Yeah, Absolutely. I really like that one yep. as well. And of course, you know, it's so funny because by the end of the episode, he's destroyed the entire basis <laughs> of this society. You know, It's amazing, you know. And, and he was taken captive and, and sort of, yeah, so he destroyed the society in about half an hour, you know. Yep, exactly. He's more deadly than any weapon. It's cursed. <laughs> yes, absolutely, yeah. I, you know, I like the idea that maybe he got back to the ship and like everyone was like, "Oh my God, you, you, you've completely changed their way of life, everything like that." Yeah, sorry, I enacted the Archer Tandoran yes, protocol. Absolutely, uh, that's, the Archer protocol. Yeah, just signed it off. It's like, oh, okay, it's, yeah, just like that. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, so that's consequences. Uh, alterations. Would there be anything not necessarily altered? The, you don't want the episode to change. An expansion, perhaps. You want to know what happens to the people in the shuttles at the end. Would you want to know more, or do you feel that the episode does enough on its own? I think it does. Yeah, I, as I say, I enjoy this episode. I again think that maybe a little bit of pacing, just a little bit, maybe. I'm not quite sure how to do that, but you know, it's one of those funny things because until until I sort of sat down mm-hmm. and watched this in a sort of analytical way. I hadn't really noticed it, but I'm noticing a lot now, this sort of structure that is okay, I think. I quite like it, but I would like a little bit more going on in the middle. Yeah. And that's maybe not just about this episode, it's about a few episodes. But equally, don't get me wrong, I I really enjoy the episode and I I Mm. don't think I would change it really. As far as knowing about the Sulaban, yeah, I think that would have been interesting. Um, It would have allowed us to, again maybe expand the, the, the species a little bit, sort of just 
sort of fresh him out a little bit more again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, no, I think I, I'd pretty much leave it alone. I think I mm. enjoyed it. Yeah, it's the difficulty when you really like the episode. It's it's hard to say, wow, they could have done that better or they could have been this. And it's like, yeah, it all worked. It was a great episode all by itself. Um, it said what it needed to say and it didn't sort of hit you over the head like uh, most episodes do. But certainly the TOS episodes, going back to them, uh, yeah. let, let that be your last battlefield. You yes, know, with Half black, half white. It, it's not yeah. too heavy uh, and it, it's subtle enough that you pick up on a few more cues, just like Archer, Archer sort of picked up on what was going on quite quickly in the episode. Um, yeah, I'd like to know what happened to the rest of the Sula band, but, uh, you know, what if they did turn into soldiers? What if it yes. was the wrong call? What if it was... Yeah, the... that would be really interesting, wouldn't it? What if, cam, you know, come season two, we were to see yeah. those people, see that child, and he turns on Travis uh, in a yeah. moment, uh, and they were best friends in the camp, and now they have changed. Um, that It had a darker twist to it. Um, who knows? Uh, yeah. Maybe that would have undercut the 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 good thing about this episode is it it does question that yeah. and if we just show them becoming soldiers then yes. we're saying yeah. well actually it was inevitable of course they were going to do it they're Suleban you know are we yeah. then as just as guilty by having that play out yeah. Um, but yeah it's I would like to see more consequences of his actions um, but as an episode it works pretty well and yeah. I think it's one of the best ones uh, yeah, same- I think this, yeah this is one that sort of breaks that bad first season thing for me Ooh, okay. Not uh, entirely the whole season, but just no, the episode. Yeah, yeah okay. and I think that's that's the truth of it. That I think in all the first seasons, there are some good episodes. But overall, and this is one that I think is a good episode, yeah, definitely. So what you're saying is this episode being a season one episode, it's a good season one episode, but you're not judging all season one episodes by it. And, you know, uh, okay, yeah. fair enough. Um, so based on that, recommendations is our next criteria. Do we recommend to Star Trek fans this episode? Yes. Yeah. Because it's, I think it's a good episode. Uh, yeah. I think um, the Sudaban are good in it. I think, you know, the expansion, expansion of what they are and how they, they are as a, as a species is good. I think it's an enjoyable episode. I think for sci-fi fans, there's Dean Stockwell. Mm-hmm. Um, a bit of a, a reunion, which is sort of quite nostalgic, I suppose. Um, so yeah, overall, I think yeah, definitely. Yeah, yep, I'm with you on that. I think this is probably one of the most essential parts of season one because it, it highlights that we're not going to just deal with the Sulaban as the bad guys this season. We're actually going to think about it. We're actually going to take the time to break down. Well, maybe there's more to this culture than what meets the eye. Um, it, it's a great bit of world building. It gives you a lot more understanding of how other cultures might react to the bad guys, um, and that maybe. Starfleet should do something different uh, and, and uh, apply themselves with the same sort of uh, moral compass that they're applying to the Tandarans. Yeah. Um, yes, we've got Dean Starkwell. Fantastic. It's fan service but in done in sort of almost the right way. Yes. And it's yeah. nice to see that these two actors who are so chummy and get on so well in Quantum Leap are antagonistic to each yeah. other. And it just plays off the how well they played it as actors. And yeah, Travis gets to do something. That's another reason just to like this episode alone. Travis actually got to do something. Um, he actually got to have a point uh, and, a, and a, 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 an impact on at least one of the Suleban. So, yeah, there's no way we're not recommending this to Star Trek fans. To non-Star Trek fans, now, this episode does rely heavily on you knowing a few things and having watched a bit more of the season. But 
is it still a good enough episode on its own? No. Yeah. Well, yes and no. So I think it's a very good episode, but I don't think you can enjoy it without having a bit of knowledge of the Suleiman. Mm. And that's the issue. So again, I think we spoke about this, was it last time or the time before? <coughs> it's like a, a secondary drug. Mm. It's, it's, you know, it, it's it's there. If you started to watch Enterprise and you've got into the Temple Cold War a little bit, then pop it in. Yeah. But straight off the bat, I don't think so because, well, again, it's difficult because it's a good episode. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're exactly you know, in my head right now because yeah, that's exactly I how I feel. <laughs> I think you do need some setup to make it more impactful because you need to understand the interactions between the Enterprise and the Sulaban previously to understand how they go from where they start to where they end. Yeah. Yeah. Colonel Gratt does mention the previous episode, so it's it's almost paying lip service. Well, if you missed previous parts of this yeah. season, this is what happened. Of course, Archer is going to hate the Sulaban because they almost killed part of his crew and they took the Klingon straight from his ship. Um, these were the bad guys, but actually these Sulaban are not the same Sulaban we met earlier. Um, uh, it might maybe make people or, or, or non-Star Trek fans go back and then want to watch the rest of the yeah. season. Yeah. So I think on that reason alone, I would say I would recommend it to a non-Star Trek fan because it's pretty obvious what it's talking about, you know, yeah. interning people. People would probably not get the Japanese internment camp straight away until it's mentioned. Yes. And they probably would if they didn't know a bit more about the back background and maybe didn't know about George Takai and his experiences yeah. that they probably would have the more modern interpretation, which is the Taliban and yeah. Afghanistan and, and, and that sort of take on it as well. So I think I would, but again, it's, it's just into that character of, yeah. of saying I would recommend it because it is in that middle zone. Like you say, the, the extra drug, the second take, um, the one yes. to keep the one to keep you going. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Uh, right. I think that's it. Is there anything else yes. to say on the episode? No, I think we've we've covered it pretty well, don't you think? I, I think, think so. Uh, I'm over yeah. an hour and a half of talking about it. Really? So it wow. must be a good episode. So there yeah. you go. Um, right. Well, uh, all that remains is the last um, criteria, and I hope I get it right this time. Um, there we go. Uh, join us next time for season three, episode 22 of the podcast and season one, episode 20 of Enterprise as we continue our little jump out of the Netflix order as we go to Vox Solar. And uh, all that remains for me to say, thank you again for listening and I'll see you in the next time stream. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please remember to like, subscribe and review wherever you listen to it. If you would like to be a guest in the future or give feedback, you can contact me by either searching for the Temple Trek Podcast Facebook page or find me on Twitter at Rider underscore Coattail. Also search The Temple Trek Podcast. You can also find me on Instagram at Daniel underscore Hitch underscore Writer. Scripted elements of the show are a work of pure fan fiction, and any views and opinions expressed in the episode discussions are my own or that of the guest. They do not reflect the rights holders of Star Trek. Any Star Trek sound effects or music are used under the terms of fair use and are not my own work. The intro music, Birthright by Audio Binger, is royalty-free from the Free Music Archive. Check out their work and others at freemusicarchive.com. The Temple Trek is a free podcast with no Patreon or sponsorship. However, if you would like to support the show, you can find my books by searching Daniel Peter Hitch on Amazon. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you in the next time stream.
There we go. All good. Great. Fantastic. Well, uh, sorry for taking up your whole morning there. Oh, uh, it's that's a pleasure, mate. There we go. I really enjoyed that. That was a really good discussion, wasn't it? I'm, yeah, I really enjoyed that. There's yeah. so many points to this episode, but yeah. and I, I did at different points on the all the the note taking. It was like Dan's going to have a great point on this. Dan's going to have a great <laughs> thing to say here. Um, so your name pops up in all the things. It's really good, um, and you did. So there we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so this will be the not the first episode where you are uh, the official co-host. That will be Oasis because that will be the first proper January. Um, yeah. episode as such because this will be on the 31st of december so this, right. will, be the, this will be the new year's day new year's eve. this is a way to spend new year's, new year's eve. eve hey talking about internment camps and, yeah. <laughs> uh, and moral relativism well, yeah yeah welcome to the new year <laughs> how get the humans yeah let's go um <laughs> I've so, got yeah. my night planned out. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, fireworks coming in about half an hour, but now I'm going to pop on the Temple Trek podcast. <laughs> oh god. Um, but yeah, a- acquisition coming at, at Christmas, I yes. thought made perfect sense because yeah. you know, wanting things, and I definitely want those socks that the Ferengi were wearing. Yes. So makes sense. Yes, I um, didn't pick up on that. We should have maybe pointed that out. We should add a little <laughs> addendum saying, you know, have you, have you noticed how you know this is like people at christmas this is it and they're probably just grabbing everything it's it's a, it's a, a um analogy for christmas you know people get to shop and just like oh that dude i'll just don't take that Tell you yeah. what, we're, uh, I, I'm still recording this. I'll just edit this bit on the end and just Perfect, take them. Yeah. We'll push it in. Um, <coughs> yeah, it just it makes me kick myself that we didn't make more Christmas references. Yeah, there we go. Um, and there's always you know the lecherous uh, uncle that you have to meet yes. up at Christmas with, yeah, absolutely. just exactly. like Krem is with Topol. Yeah, you know, it's just too too much. It's basically uh, a Christmas episode, isn't it? It is. Yeah, it's family fighting. Um, they are constantly uh, bickering with each other. That's of course there. Short of them having a game of Monopoly and everyone giving up and getting angry, I can't think of a different thing. Oh, and there's no turkey. No turkey. I That's true. Yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> but there we go. Uh, yeah. So uh, it's it's worked out perfectly with the acquisition now. So perfect. Good. Yeah. Good. Right. Great. I will let you go and uh, see you Monday. Monday, yes. Monday evening. Um, I'll yep. check again with with Paul if it's seven yep. thirty uh, or nine thirty, but it'll be one of those two. Um, okay, mate, lovely. Right. And that's uh, that's Voxola, isn't it? Voxola, Voxola, yep. however you say it. Um, I'm going to pronounce it in about fifteen different ways. I think by the time we finish the episode. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, so I've actually got to go and watch this one now because I've done Oasis and I've done Detained, and now I've yes. got to jump ahead. So there we go. So I've got four days to get this done. There we go. Great. Right. Okay. See okay. you later. Take care. Thanks. No worries. Bye-bye.